Yeah, I'm going to give it over to Al because uh, to, to share this dream you, at Men's Breakfast, as I was saying, he was, he was sharing uh, yesterday, and uh, I was really impacted. And, and, and really, I, I do believe it has a, a connection to what the Lord is doing here at Bristol and really what the Lord uh, is doing in today's sermon. So here you go, bro. So yesterday, uh, like he said, the men's, the men's breakfast was just, it was on fire yesterday. And we just worshiped and prayed. And the Lord was giving us a lot of words regarding what the church is going through and how to lead our families. And it was awesome. If you weren't there, uh, be there next time. Um, but I shared with these guys a dream that I've had several times in the last three or four weeks. Uh, and the dream, in the dream, it was just, it was a hand. And in the hand was a sponge. And then in the dream, the, the, the hand squeezes the sponge and all the excess water comes out and falls on the floor. And then the hand just opens back up. And the first time I had this dream, I woke up and thought, I'm pretty sure the Lord wants me to clean the bathroom. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. And I was disobedient. Uh, but the Lord, the Lord knows I'm, I'm, I'm stubborn. And so I had the dream again. And I, I, I kind of dismissed it a second time. And then I had the dream a third time. And I'm like, okay, you're clearly trying to tell me something. Because I keep seeing this hand squeezing this sponge, and all the excess water falls out, and then the hand opens back up. And as I'm talking to the father about it, he sort of revealed to me the hand is his hand, and the sponge is the church, big C church, and he is squeezing the church, and everything that's excess is going to fall out, and everything that's left when he opens his hand is his to use as he sees fit. And uh, as I was praying through that, I'm just like, okay, are, are we prepared for this? Are we prepared for this? And then this is not part of it, but this is how I feel. I feel like COVID is the beginning of that squeezing, right? We are losing people in the church, and they are probably excess, if I'm being honest. I think Mark shared yesterday, we have right, 50, 53% of people who have left the church because of COVID have no plans of coming back. Right? And big C church. And and God is going to continue to squeeze. Right? So let's let's just be prepared. And uh, Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 yeah, it's a good word. You know, the Lord Lord gives you multiple dreams, right? He's knocking on your heart, right? And uh, look, there's there's a time of, of squeezing that's happening in our society in so many different manners, right? But what I really like about at least, you know, part that was hitting me and the part I was kind of interpreting is like the squeezing can be, of course, uh, you know, allowing people to see uh, the, the Lord in us. But a part of it is like wringing out the sponge, right? You wring it out to soak it up with the right thing, right? Not the dirty water, but the new clean water. Uh, and I, I really believe that's what the Lord is, is asking us to do. And I think it's very timely for this uh, sermon series that we're on right now, uh, the Wanderlust series. So why don't we open up to uh, 1 Corinthians 15. We're, we're going to read uh, several verses out of there um, to get going here, right? And so, Lord, we, we come before you, and we just want to be obedient to what you're doing uh, on planet Earth, what you're doing in the Spirit, what you're doing with us. Father, I pray right now that all of us would have ears to hear, and really ears to understand, right? We would not be like those that wandered in the wilderness who hardened their hearts and did not hear. As it says in the book of Hebrews, but we want to hear 
We want to process. And we want to really change in accordance in how you see us. Amen. All right. So, yeah, we have uh, the Wanderlust series, The Temptation of Conservation. Okay. All right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. <clears throat> but now Messiah, Christ, is risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. Right? I, I love this. I, I love this, 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 this imagery, right? For since by man came death, right, that would be Adam, Adam brought forth death, Adam and Eve, right? Mankind brought forth death. But so in the same manner, by man also came the resurrection, the resurrection of the dead. Obviously, uh, making connection on the parallels, but also differences between Adam and Jesus, right? So Adam, the old man, brought forth death. But a new man, Jesus, brings forth the resurrection from that death. Now, that resurrection, a lot of times we think about, oh, it's the resurrection of what will be and what will come. Amen. But there's more to it than that, right? It, it's a resurrection from the sinful nature of Adam that he's come. And I think a, a very powerful principle is this. Many times I find myself looking into a future resurrection. At the blowing of the trumpet, right? The bodies will be raised out of the grave. But I really do believe, because there's a lot, a lot of scriptures that are talking about this, that that's the whole notion of being born again. Being born again is being resurrected from the image of the old Adam and being resurrected into the image of the new Adam, Jesus. Amen? Now, this is more than just coming out of the, the earthly grave. It's coming out of a spiritual grave. Where am I? Verse 22. For as in Adam all die, even so, in Christ, all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Move to verse 47. The first man was of the earth, and he was made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust, and as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Woo! Getting like Rowan and the ghost just, just reading the scriptures here. Like, it's this notion that we have the ability, not the ability, but the destiny and the call to take on the image and likeness of Jesus even before the eternal resurrection. If our sin has made us in the pattern of the old Adam, the cross has made us in the image of the new Adam, Jesus. But we got to receive that. we got to gaze on that. You can't be lusting after the old man. All right. So, we have the old man par paradigm, the old Adam, and the new Adam. Really, the old of the dust of the earth is the flesh. And the new Adam of the spirit, obviously, is of the spirit. And I believe that the old Adam is really a principle. The old Adam wants to hold on to. He wants to conserve. 
He wants to conserve the fruit, right? He wants to conserve his likeness of the dust, of the dirt. But the new Adam of Jesus is, is really the opposite of that. It's the opposite spirit of that. It's not the conservation of the self. It's the laying down of the self. But there is a grand temptation as we walk through this world, as we walk through life, as we engage with our spouse, as we engage with our kids, as we engage with the world, there is a temptation and an extremely strong compulsion to conserve ourselves and keep ourselves in the place of the old Adam. But that's not your call. Our call is actually the complete opposite. And so I felt the Lord uh, give me this. Uh, men build castles to dwell. But they also build walls to conserve. If you really take a look at the call of Adam and Adam's descendants, right, it really kind of culminates uh, in the book of Genesis uh, with, I uh, might have been the great-great-grandson of Adam, uh, of Lamech, right? Uh, he, he goes out and kills. And then, of course, there's a, Nimrod, who's going to start building up cities and builds castles. And it's the paradigm, I think it was Nimrod, um, who builds, like the first, I know he's a man of war, but I forget who built the first city. I think it was, do you remember? No, I think it might, it might have been Nimrod. Um, but it's this notion of, of mankind has a tendency to want to build up their own kingdoms. The problem here is when you build up your own kingdom, when you build up your own castle, uh, you have to now build up walls to protect what you have. And that's really the spirit of the old Adam, to conserve. Now, it's, it's a completely antithetical to what the Lord wants us to do. That's the irony of it. Galatians 6.3 says, bear one another's burden. I mean, to bear another man's burden, you're, you're, you're going to have to rip down some walls. To bear another man's burden, you're going to have to come out of your castle. Bear another man's burden, you're going to have to come out and be somewhat vulnerable and leave the place of conservation. What's so powerful here is, you know, Galatians says, bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. (laughs) You want to fulfill the law of Christ. I know we like to say, oh, the perfect law of liberty. Oh, we like to sing about about that scripture verse, right? He's given us a spirit of liberty, and we live our lives by the law of liberty. It's beautiful. Yeah, but to live the law of Christ is to bear another person's burdens. But really, the old Adam, and the Adam which many of us walk through, that we really need to temper back, is an Adam that wants to conserve the things we have. And to keep the things we have, we have to build up the walls, and those walls can actually be physical walls, like locking your door, but also, in many regards, are spiritual walls, emotional walls. I'm building this up, I'm putting this wall up so you can't get in. Or, you build the walls up so you can't actually get out. The new Adam wants to get out. It wants to go out and to bear the burdens of others, to be that priest which we were reciting in worship. And so, yeah, the spirit of conservation is really this, right? To hold on to, to keep, to store. This is is really the natural inclination. It's the carnal inclination. It's the inclination of sin. It's the inclination of the earth. It's the inclination of man. 
To conserve is to live for the self. It is rooted in fear and ego. And if you think about this, Adam, his actual name in Hebrew is Adam. God says he went to the earth, Adama, and he formed Adam. Right? He went to the earth and he formed man, and from the dust of the earth came man. If you think about it, every single thing that we have on earth in a physical substance comes from what? Comes from the earth. Like everything we have, right? Every food, every clothing, every, every piece of metal. Everything that's ever been designed is coming from the earth. And there is a desire to conserve that, to keep that, the things that we have. But the problem here for us is this. The gospel speaks a different word. The gospel speaks a different story. The true gospel says that we are made whole and out of our spiritual wholeness, we get to, we get to. We don't have to, we get to. It's a very different positioning of heart. We get to lay down our life and bear the burdens of others. It's a blessing. It's a call. It's to move you from the old Adam of the dust, the old Adam from the earth, and to become a new Adam of the spirit. But to operate in the spirit, you can't operate of the things of the earth. You can't operate in the things of the world. Now, that seems to be very difficult to even accomplish. But the proclamation here by Paul is that you so willingly receive the temptations of the first Adam. You don't even question it. Right? We know who we are. We're the sons of Adam. We're Ben Adam. We're the, the sons of Adam. And so, so naturally, our human inclination, we don't even question, but we adopt the sin nature of that Adam. And we don't question it, right? We just act it out. And Paul is saying here, if we so naturally receive the sin nature of Adam, we should so actually be receiving so easily the new nature. Don't question it. You're a new creation. Walk in that. Amen? Now, the, the reality here with this is if you are walking in a conservation or a conserving spirit, because that's the temptation of man. Hold on to it. We're, we're moving this week. I think this is where this message is coming from. Like you think about all the things that you have and you're like, I want to conserve this and keep this, you know, well, for lack of a better word, junk, right? It's been sitting in the box in the basement for the last like eight years, you know what I'm talking about? And you're like, you know, you want to get rid of it, but you want to conserve it because, you know, it's, it does have a special value to it. And I think this maybe actually now I'm thinking about it, maybe this is where it's coming from. Like we're moving, I'm like packing things up. I'm like, I have not seen this thing in I don't know how long. But here's the thing, you know, that's in the physical, but in the spiritual, there are spiritual implications here on conserving. And it can be physical things, but I think even more profoundly, it's, it's really the emotions and spiritual things, right? We want to conserve the mentality of the past and of the old man, because in some kind of weird way, it leaves us in some kind of place of, of, of security, which is very odd. Because we know it. We know how it operates. And we've been living our life by its rules, Right? Like, I mean, just think about this. Like, if, if someone says something to you and you respond back and you yell, you're playing by a certain game. You're playing by a certain set of rules. And what are the rules? If I yell louder, I won. Or if I prove that you're wrong, I'm now justified. So we're playing by the rules of the old Adam. And, but there's actually a new set of rules. You're playing actually a different game. The problem here is I know the rules of the old game. 
I, I know how it works. If I yell or if I prove my way is right, I won. I won the game. I understand that game. But in the spirit, there's a different game. And there are different rules to that game. And actually, the rules of the spiritual game of the new Adam conflict entirely with the old. And you guys ever play Monopoly? Like every family has their own weird rule about Monopoly. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, we don't do free parking. Well, we do free parking. No, you only put free parking in when it says to put free. No, any, any tax that you have to pay on the Monopoly board, you put that in there. No, no, you don't. That's not in the rules. Well, that's how we play. That's how we've always played. You know what I'm saying? Like, to change the rules of Monopoly, like, how dare you? That's not how we play. It completely changes my whole strategy to the game. This is what I'm getting at. We're actually in a different game. We're actually playing, or supposed to be playing, and residing inside of a different rule book. Right? The rules of the Bible, but that may be just so broad. I mean, it's the rules of the Spirit. We respond differently. We act differently. We don't hold on to things. We actually give things away. But to conserve will actually, if you live in this kind of spiritual element of conservation, I'm not saying like necessarily, although it could be, but I'm not saying necessarily it's like saving those old pair of socks that you don't wear. But I'm talking about in the spiritual element, to conserve will leave you in a jail. It really will. It will leave you in a place of bondage. It will leave you in a place of this kind of castle-like experience where you're bound you're bound by it. So to conserve will leave you in a jail of remaining. This is the key. If you're playing by the old rules. If you play by the old rules, you don't get to receive the benefit of the new. And what is the benefit of the new? You get to be transformed. What's the benefit of the new game? You get to be transformed into the new Adam, in the likeness and image of Jesus. And then we get to transform the world. You won't be able to play that game. Uh, this past week was uh, International Holocaust Remembrance Day. Right earlier this week. Actually, technically last week since Sunday is in fact the first day of the week. Um, Auschwitz, Arbeit macht frei. Work will make you free. And I was thinking about this kind of notion of, of conservation. And I was thinking like, wow, what if you lived in a place where everything was actually stripped away from you? Every possession you have, your family members are stripped away from you. Your kids are stripped away from you. Your wife. In fact, it's, like, it's, it's even deeper than that, right? It's, 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 like, it's like a subconscious and psychological, even spiritual matter that everything is ripped away from you, right? Who you are, what you are, how you process things. I mean, we are, we are living as close as one could get to an earthly hell, right? Now, no matter what you're going through, with all due respect, for this moment in time. Anything you're going through, I would even, even go as far as a terminal disease. Anything and everything that you may be going through right now with COVID and politics and work and tension and all of this fails in any form of comparison 
to something like this. And um, a guy who wrote a book, Man's Search for Meaning, highly, highly, I know I mentioned this before in a sermon, highly recommend that you read this book. Victor Frankl, man, he's, a, he's, a, he's actually, he's, he's, got his, uh, he's got his doctorate in psychiatry. Uh, and they, they take him, he's a Jewish man, a Jewish psychologist, psychiatrist, I believe. Uh, and they, they send him to Auschwitz with his wife. And, uh, you know, his wife doesn't make it. He doesn't even know what's going on because obviously they're separated. And he's there. Uh, and uh, he, he sees two types of people in the camp. And those were both not, it wasn't like one type of person was the Nazi and the other was the Jewish person or one of the undesirables that the Nazis had. He's like, no, I, I saw two types of people psychologically and clinically. We would say spiritually, really. But he's, he's talking about psychology. But it's, it's really spiritual type of people. He saw two types of people. And it didn't matter if you were a Nazi or an inmate. You could still see this paradigm come up. He says there's one type of person um, that would do horrendous things and another type of person that would do unbelievable, beautiful things. And he actually said the Nazis were disgustingly horrible. But every once in a while, you'd get a soldier that you know, showed one very, very tiny, small amount of mercy by, like, maybe looking the other way so the guy could get another piece of bread or something. You know what I mean? I mean, it's totally ridiculous to even think about, but it's a small little glimmer of things, right? But then he said he, he saw, um, you know, inmates who, who either did a wonderful, beautiful thing, or, I'm sorry, did a horrible thing, I guess it would make more sense if I start there. We do a horrible thing and, and, and take, right? Literally take the porridge or the soup or, or the bread and be like, forget you, man. I'm taking it. See what happens to you. I mean, we're talking about like you are literally fighting for survival, right? Literally. Uh, and so there are people that would actually take and then, you know, your, your day to meet your maker is going to be a little sooner. But then he said he saw some unbelievable people. And those people were Literally, I mean, he says this in his memoir. He says this in his work, Man's Search for Meaning. He, he saw people that were like, I think that I might be able to make it one more day. You take my bread. Or other people who say, you know what? I'm okay leaving this earth. You take it. Have it. It's not me. It's you. Now, think about this. You, even as a born-again believer, if you're in that kind of position, would you be giving up your food for someone? Knowing that if by the end of the day, if you don't get this bread, if you don't get this soup, you don't get this water, you're going to die. He said the only thing that allowed him to survive Auschwitz was the belief, not that he was going to live another day. His belief was, I'm going to live now. This is the only thing that got me through this. It's not like, oh my gosh, maybe I'll get out of here one day. No, I live now, and in the now, I could be a light in the darkness. And as someone who's not even saved. If I just live one more second, if I live one more minute, if I live one more hour, if I live one more day, I, in fact, can be a light unto the earth, unto the world. He famously said it this way about the two different types of people. The point is not what we expect from life, but rather what life expects from us. Now, can you imagine being in Auschwitz? Even here, life expects something from me. To live one more moment and be a light. To give that bread away. That's what the 
universe or eternity is, is looking at. I'm saying in those terms because that's how he phrases it. But really what he says here is this. Whether you're in a concentration camp or not, there are two types of people that are on earth. It's just that the concentration camp made it even more apparent. He says if you are a person that during good times is a person who actually believes that, that the earth, life, owes you something. We all know those people. We may even be some of those people. Life owes me something. Or, let's just be real, God owes me something. If you have that mentality, you'll get through when things are okay. But when things get bad, like COVID, or things get bad and you're put in a concentration camp and there's nowhere to look to get something, the rug has been pulled underneath your feet and you have nothing to stand on. But another type of person, he says, is the, this one. Is the person that says life expects something from me. Life. God. Expects something from you. And even when you're in a place like that, knowing knowing what will happen to you. Even when you're walking into the gas chamber, you walk with an expectation that God is expecting something from you even now. Crazy stories of the last things upon people's lips as they walked into the chambers. There's nothing to give, right? Come on, people. What's there to give? You're on your way. This is it. And what's so powerful is there are countless stories of people in those last steps say, you know what? There's still something that I can give. And then recite Deuteronomy. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Achad. Hear, O Israel, for the Lord thy God is one God. And even in those last breaths, they said, I got a couple last breaths yet. But even in that, I have something to give. I have a song to sing unto God. Now that's largely from people who are not born again and not spirit-filled. And they're in a concentration camp. And they're being marched to a gas chamber. What do we give? And so here's the question. Are you someone who is operating in the spirit of the old Adam where you say, life, God actually owes me something? Or you're one who has adopted the new image, the new Adam that says, I have something to give. I have a light. I have a fire. I have a message. I have an anointing. I have a word. I have a gospel message that I must give. But if we're living in the old Adam, you expect to be right. You expect to be justified. You expect to be proven correct. And your emotion and your rage will rise up because you're one of the, dare I say it, if you operate in that spirit, if we brought you to a concentration camp, you would be the one that was stealing the bread, not giving it. So who are you? Of the old man? one that's been resurrected. I want to be the one that's resurrected. But i got to be real with myself. 
I want to be justified, and if I want to be right, and I got my emotions all out of whack, man, in the right conditions, if that man inside of me was fed the right way, I would be one of the evil ones. Now, there are certain kingdom realities, right? It's the complete opposite of conservation. What are we called to do? We give. We prefer. We look outside of ourselves. And I believe what the Holy Spirit was, was sharing with me is this. In the modern world, many people, and unfortunately, even in the Big C Church, there are people that are residing inside of a mental, cultural concentration camp. And I, I, I want to be careful when I say this because I do not want to demean the realities of a real concentration camp. I want to make this like spiritual. It's like, it's like inside of your thought process and in your mind and in your spirit, your mentality and your culture that you're a part of is one of a concentration camp. And what is that? Everything we do, everything we invent is largely built off of the element of conservation. That's building up your own castle. That's building up your own walls to conserve to conserve, well, is to concentrate, right? It's to concentrate the power, to concentrate the wealth, to concentrate the emotion. I mean, conservation and concentration is almost a synonym. It's to hold, it's to stay, it's to keep. Uh, Mario, uh, if you're in here, I'm not sure. Can you come on down, please? It might, be a, it might be a little a little longer one, actually, but how is that different, right? I mean, it's, it's like that. So maybe, maybe you can just get ready and not play yet. I don't know. Just play when you're feeling it, but I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. I just fool people like I know what I'm doing. So let, let's talk about conserving. Let's talk about conservation a little bit more like in, in the spirit, right? And also in physical, right? Someone who conserves, right? It's the opposite, it's the opposite spirit of the new Adam. Okay? That's what it is. Uh, but it's really plaguing the modern world. Let's just talk about, like, physical items. Right? Why, why do we desire to, you know, why do I desire to hold on to those, you know, socks that have the holes in them? Right? Or to the, you know, the, 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 the wedding gift that was given to me that, like, we've never used. Right? You know, you know what I'm talking about? Right? But really, it's outside of even items. It's a physical, it's like a physical understanding of holding on to the things of the physical world, right? It's not the stuff in your basement. It's really the notion of holding on to the physical realities of the world. Why do we want to still play by the old rules of the old Adam? It is because we understand those rules. And if I understand those rules, I will now, therefore, feel secure. It's really kind of twisted, but like if you're dealing with like fear, anxiety, depression, greed, lust, anger, anything that is not of the spirit, in a weird way, there is a comfort in navigating those things because it's a comfort of, of the rules that you know, and it's what you've been living in and what your ancestors have lived in ever since the time of Adam. So we understand it. We know it. We know how to play with it. And this is why people who are struggling with things, they still want to hold on to that old typology because... Even if it brings pain and distress, it's extremely, weirdly, spiritually secure feeling. Okay? 
But emotions, I mean, bitterness, hurt, you know, it, it's, it's we know the rules of how can I win? How can I become justified? And I think really what's going on when we're living in this kind of spiritual conservation mentality, we're actually living in the past, right? We're living in the past, but to really make this more profound in a sense, we're living in the past of the old Adam, Okay? But Yahweh, I mean, that's God's name, right? It's not God. It was a shocker, right? It's not God. Praise God. Who's God? He gave us his name. His name is Yahweh. He who was, he who is, and he who will be. He's a verb to be. He's the verb of existence. He's, 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 He's existence in itself. But what we have here is, look, well, many times, and I did a sermon on this a long time ago, but many times we are looking at the God of the future. Do this for me. But guys, we need to not just look at the God of the future in that verb tense. We need to look at the God of the past to heal all those wounds and to really get rid of the old Adam. That is the God of the past. Yes, he redeemed the old Adam by bringing the new Adam. And so now we get to live in the present with him. Being the new Adam. Just for some clarification on this, you know, uh, Isaiah 60, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. But really, in in the Hebrew there, it, it doesn't say for your light has come. And some of the English translations do a nice job on this. Arise and shine, for your light has come, the past. No, it says, arise and shine, for your light is come. And the grammar there, it's, it's present. Whatever you're doing, whatever you're, it's, it's, it's living in a moment. It's not living in the past of conservation. It's living in the moment of the transformation of you moving into the likeness of Jesus. And so, you know, obviously another thing, we, we, I, I can't not talk about this, but, you know, conservation is also an element of money. Conserving your value of what you've made. And I feel that the Lord is just saying for us today is that one of the greatest inhibitions, one of the greatest inhibitions to the kingdom, and one of the greatest inhibitions to the kingdom are, are really sons and daughters who, un, who are unknowingly building their own kingdoms. Because if we're building one kingdom for ourselves of conservation, then therefore we cannot be building another kingdom, the spiritual kingdom. To build earthly kingdoms, you need to build walls to conserve and to keep safe. And we do this emotionally. We do this physically. And so there's only one kingdom that you're able to build. And if we're building walls, um, it means that we're building walls to remain, to stay. And therefore, we're remaining in the old Adam. This may be a little theological, maybe a little philosophical, so I hope I'm not losing too many. Uh, but there, there are spiritual laws that are in place, okay? Uh, these spiritual laws are like as sure as gravity, right? We live by natural laws on earth. But I'm telling you that there are certain spiritual laws that are as sure as earthly gravity that exist, okay? One of them is uh, the law of thankfulness. When we act and walk in a spirit of thankfulness, it actually moves heaven, Right? It moves heaven to action. There's plenty of scriptural proof text to that. Right? Whenever you pray, make sure your prayers are a laundry list of prayers of what you want. No. Whenever you pray, make sure you do it with rejoicing and with giving thanksgiving. 
right? There's another spiritual law, and that's found in Matthew 25, and that is the principle of sowing and reaping. And it's a little longer, so Mario, you know, please don't play yet, but... Um, Read Matthew 25. We all know this. I almost, I almost was going to paraphrase it, but then I was like, well, actually, this might be a shorter message, so if I read the whole thing, it actually makes the message seem longer. I'm sure you're all appreciative of that. It's an old social studies teacher trick, right? Oh, man, it's 10 minutes left. We're going to read this instead of, you know. No, I, I, that's, I'm saying that jovially, but it really is this. I mean, we, we need to hear this full story. But you guys all know the parable of the talents, right? When we say talents, we're not talking about gifting. Talent, we mean a, a currency. Okay, talent is currency. It's money. Okay, it's money. Talents, right? Matthew 25, verse 15. And to one he gave, I'm actually going to start in 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. He called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. Five to one, right? To each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground, right, place of Adam, the old Adam, the dust, and hid his Lord's money. Right? We could be hiding the Lord's money. We would be hiding the Lord's likeness and image by returning to the dust. Returning to the earth. Returning to the old Adam. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. Verse 23, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Dun, dun, dun. Then he who received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. I was afraid to play by the new rules. And went, un- went and hid your talent in the ground, the place of the flesh, the place of Adamah, the place of Adam, the old man. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to anyone who has more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Now what's so powerful and interesting here is this. The people that had what they do, they gave it away. Now they invested it, right? But it's a giving away. It's not mine now. But the people that hold on to things... People that hold on to things, the old way, putting the money in the ground, the place of Adam, place of the old Adam, will not receive the blessing. I don't mean monetary blessing, a blessing of spirituality. 
It's really, this story right here is really an issue of conservation. It's an issue of fearing the loss. It's an issue of fearing stepping into a new game, playing by a new set of rules. To get, you give. To live, you die. I don't know those rules. My house does not play by those Monopoly rules. Wow, you got a new game. Um, this is probably most famously articulated in Matthew 16. And um, with that, actually, I've got a video to show you. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again. Be it far from thee, Lord. This shall not be unto thee. Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. Thou savest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. And then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here who shall never taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Obviously, a very famous portion of Scripture. Who wants to find his life must lay it down. But as Jesus approaches his disciples and say what was going to happen and what needs to happen, he says um, that he needs, and the Son of Man will die and be three days in the earth and then will be resurrected. And they're like, no, you won't. You can't be. Now, let's slow this down for me. I don't want you to lose this principle. The disciples are still operating. They're still operating by the old game, the old rules. Like the revolution that you're bringing, you need to be alive for it. If you die, it's over. You see, they're still playing by the rules of the old Adam. Now, what does Jesus respond when they say, no, this will not be done? His response is, get behind me, Satan. Like, this is, I'm getting chills. It's like, do you hear? Like, playing by the old rules of the rules of Adam is, in fact, a demonic idea. 
The idea of conserving your emotions, your money, your things, your stuff, your feelings, all of that stuff, get behind me, Satan. I don't play by that rule book anymore. I'm playing an actual different game. That's how strong Jesus is to this. It, I really do believe on the spirit. It's not that he's saying get behind me, Satan, because he needs to die in order to be on the cross. I think that's a surface level of understanding. But I think there's a deeper understanding of this. It's like you are playing by an earthly principle, O oh disciples. By playing by the earthly modality, you're playing by the rules of Satan. I don't play by those rules. I'm bringing a different game, and the different game is to be playing by the rules of the Spirit. The flesh is dead. In fact, the only way to play the new game is to kill the flesh and pick up your cross daily. Where it's completely different. It's completely different game. Like, you need to shut the old Monopoly rule books, and you need to open up the new one. And I really think with everything that's going on on planet Earth, and the things that I've been hearing from you guys, and the various struggles, I really 100,000% believe it is time that we really, we really, really need to get serious about the new Adam. We have to say no to the conservation of things, and we have to say yes to the laying down your life in all matters. Okay? And this is a very, very serious moment in our nation's history. It's a very serious motion in spiritual history. There is a big problem. The problem is that this is largely the status of the Big C Church. A match that has been burned out. A match that has been burned out. What's wrong with the match? The match has burned out, man. And I believe that's because the church for too long is building their own castles, building their own walls to conserve what they have. But the spirit of conservation thwarts the move of the Holy Spirit in your life. To make room for Jesus, to make room for the Holy Ghost, you need to no longer conserve. You need to no longer live by the rules of the old Adam. How many people come to me, I want a baptism of the Holy Ghost. I want this, I want this. It's like, man, you ain't going to get it. If you live by the old rules in your house, you ain't going to get it. When you live by your own rules, when you're sitting in your own basement or wherever on certain websites, you're not going to get the Holy Ghost fire because you're still playing by the old rules. But the power is it. How did, how did the disciples make the switch? Prior to the resurrection, they're playing by the rules of the old Adam. But after the resurrection, they understand and play by the new rules. How do you get downloaded the new rules? It's the problem of much of the church. The only way that you will be able to play by the new rules of the Spirit is to really get on fire. It was the baptism of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2 where now everything became real and they saw truth and they saw, they saw the new game. You can struggle and you can fight and you'll try to do everything you can to pull back the old flesh and you will be nowhere, man. I did that for a while. You will not make any advancement because it's not you. You lay down you and you receive Holy Ghost fire. The fire of God. A Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not just, oh, I speak in tongues and this and that and the other thing. You know what the Holy Ghost is? It's a presence of God who brings holiness to your life. Because you can. 
Bill Johnson says it this way, the Holy Spirit is in me for my sake, but upon me for yours. I'm telling you right now, it's time to get serious, man. You gotta light these stinking flames on fire by receiving the power of the Holy Ghost. Because you could be a church that still plays by the rules of the old Adam. And I'm telling you right now, if you think that's fine, it will not be fine if you, God forbid, ever was in a concentration camp. Because those rules mean nothing now. But man, if you play by eternal spiritual rules, you say, here's my bread. You say, Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad when you're about to meet the one that you were just praying to. Really, it's, it's, not, it's not so hard. It's not so complicated. But you, I'm telling you right now, there needs to be an awakening in the bride to receive the fire of God that brings a new manual, a new rule book, a new game, man. I'm telling you, the way that this works is, is, is really like this, right? We are the wood and he is the fire, right? We are the clay, he is the hands. And how do we receive an empowerment of the Holy Spirit that allows us to walk in the authority and be transformed in the image of him by the power of the Holy Spirit is this. Really, what we need to have in the church today is the wood must surrender to the flame. It is all about a surrendering to the flame of God. We are the clay, he is the potter. We are the wood, he is the flame. But there comes a moment where the clay, where the wood surrenders and says, I must die, I must be molded, I no longer play by the old rules. Even wood in the natural that's being burned is being turned to the ash, which will be turned into fertilizer, which will in fact give birth to yet a bigger, stronger tree. Titus 3, 5, or 3, 4. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of the regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. If there ever was a time in our lives and in our spiritual lives where we need to get a renewal of the Holy Ghost, it's right now. Why don't we stand? The Holy Spirit is the one who seals us for the day of deliverance. The Holy Spirit is the one who is transforming us on this side of eternity. The Holy Spirit is the thing that allowed the disciples to see in a new way. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. This is when we, we talk about John the Baptist, right? The messenger is going to come before the coming of the Lord. Verse 2. But who can adore the day of his coming? Who can adore the day of the Lord and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi. 
The coming of the Lord 2,000 years ago, the coming of the Holy Ghost and the future coming of His return is like a refiner's fire. And I'm just, I just feel so compelled that we need to step out of this spirit of conservation and say, Lord, refine me. Pull up the dross. Pull up the impurities. I want to burn. I want to burn hot. I want to burn a blue flame that kills, destroys everything of the flesh. So the only thing that remains, things of the Spirit, saying no to the old man, saying yes to the new Adam. And notice, he sits as a refiner and a purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Levi. No, and I did not think about this, but Levi is a priest. What we are encouraging at the end of worship, right? He's coming, and he came to refine and purify the priests. And I'm looking at him. But we got to receive the refining process. We have to say, I'm not playing by the old rules anymore, Lord. I want to receive the new manual by the power of the Holy Ghost. I surrender that which is mine. And I no longer conserve. I lay it all down, Lord. I lay it all down for you. Father, I speak to that symbolic piece of wood that is in this place of fear. And I say, fear, surrender to the flame of God. Father, I, I, I see in the Spirit, I'm going to speak to that conservation spirit, that person that wants to hold on to the things of the natural and say that wood needs to go in the fire. Anything, anything of this world. Father, we do not want to love this world. For if you love of this, if you love of this world, you do not love of the kingdom. Father, I just, I just, I throw, I even throw my own logs in the fire and say, Lord, any, any hint, any hint of pride, any desire to bring up, build up my own kingdom in this church. Lord, that it would just burn in the fire. I surrender the wood to you. I surrender the wood to you. And I say, Lord, burn, burn, refine us, refine your bride. Refine the bride of Philadelphia. Refine the bride of the United States. Refine the bride on earth. Father, we want, we want, or I want, I want an Acts 2 experience, Lord. Or tongues of fire burn up the dross. Renew us, Lord God of Titus. Renew us. We want a renewal. I want a fresh renewal. You guys remember those old songs in the 90s? It was all about renewal. It was all about refining. I want that day again. Refiner's fire. Come on, we're going to have Mario just lead for a moment. I just want to see what the Holy Spirit is doing. One desire is to be 
refiner's fire. My lone desire? My heart's desire, thank you. Just have a moment right now. I know we're like, we're rushing, you know, got, got a snowstorm coming. I tell you what, man, fire melts snow, doesn't it? I want you to go to the Lord right now with a spirit of humility and ask Him to show you your heart. Has your heart been one of late that says my heart's desire is to be refined take the world away take the flesh away take the old Adam away refine it Holy Ghost can't do it on my own I can't do it in my flesh I need a baptism of fire I need a baptism of fire I need a baptism of fire to purify to take away to take away the sin of Adama to take away the sins of the old Adam let that be my heart's desire refine me and do what you have already called me to be. Let me step into it by the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Let us be children and a bride that says, I want to be renewed. I don't want you just to give me more things. I want to get rid of the things. I want to get rid of the things of the flesh so there's more room for the Spirit's power. Oh, Lord, let our prayer be before getting a new house or, or getting a new job or getting a new thing. Before even that, Lord, let our hearts be, I want to be refined. I want to be molded into the image of my Messiah. I want the, I want the, the wood to burn. I surrender the wood of my life to the fire of God so that you can raise it back up again. Jesus' name. Be safe out there in the snow. But I want to keep this place right now. I'm just going to open up the altar. Aunt Ben, I don't even think I need to pray for you. I don't think anyone needs to pray for you. If you're feeling a pulling on your heart, just come down in the front. Just say, Lord, I come before you. And I say, refine. Call for a refiner's fire. In Jesus' name. Have a wonderful week.